Hey guys, this is Pat from the Philly Fitness Podcast. I'm here with Perry. Hey guys. Um, we're going to do a little special edition of the podcast today. We've been having fun with it and, you know, trying to be as mildly entertaining as possible, but we we definitely have a very distinct viewpoint on fitness and what it means to us and what we how we think others should perceive it. So we're going to kind of get a little more serious today. You think that to that? Nope. Yeah, so we're uh, Perry and I are going to give you... <laughs> Perry and I are going to give you a little bit of our uh, our personal background, history, struggles, etc. to um, give both our listeners and our clients a better understanding of where we came from, who we, what we went through, and um, essentially how we became who we are today in this, relation... How we yeah, became this awesome. How we became this perfectly crystal clear. <laughs> um, you know, and this is stuff that most of our clients and I know most of my friends don't even know. Yeah, most And we kind of have the same friends, so... Yeah. Most of them don't know. I think it's the only reason like we get along so well yeah. is because of We're, this. We both have interesting history, <clears throat> like Napoleon. So um, I guess we should just come out and say it. Should we flip a coin? Who goes first? No, it's just we'll each say it, and then we'll kind of talk about it, I guess. All right. Um, I mean, so I, I think what's sparking this is, you know, in like the fitness world, whether it's weight loss or aesthetics or <clears throat> whatever it may be, Performance. Performance. The biggest thing that we see is people's issues, whether they're not hitting their goals, is is because of this lack of awareness. And the awareness can come from just not knowing why something is their goal or <clears throat> why they keep messing up or why even their goal is important to them. It, it, it's almost arbitrary. Um, it's almost psychosomatic. A- <clears throat> yeah. symptom of something deeper that people fail to address or don't want to address you know and that's like the biggest part of our job is you know getting good exercises and you know safe programming is really important and that's what everyone wants to argue about on facebook and this and that but really what drives it is the ability to help a client become aware of why they need our help in the first place and trying to kind of empower them. It sounds a little cliche, but Pat and I have both gone through, I guess you can say it in polite terms, some shit. Or Um, deals. Or deals. As Joseph Campbell would say. And I think that's what's enabled us to really like not look at things as failures or hurdles. It's just like a stepping stone and it's what makes you who you are today or it'll make you who you are tomorrow. Um, so we kind of want to just bring some light to it, not because we think like we've gone through <clears throat> more than anyone else or our stories are unique. the worst or the best or you, un- yeah, even yeah. they're not even unique. I mean, I, there's probably a ton of you who have gone through similar things, but being able to kind of be open about it, takes some of the power away from the events and allows you to just kind of re-identify who you are and <clears throat> why you are that person. And I don't know. I just think it it's a really important exercise. And we'll talk about it more after we talk. Um, but that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, and before we start, I guess um, Perry and I are really close friends. But I think we're really close because we both kind of have this viewpoint of the world. We either view things as either taking you one step forward or taking you back. Five steps. And we both have the ability to very quickly drop the things that are taking us back. And I think that's why we initially hit it off and have remained close to this day. So, um, That's why I'm going to be the best man. Yeah, he's also the best man in my wedding. If I find a girl to marry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I'm the best man yeah. at my own wedding. But. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, why don't you start? Because I, I got something in my throat. All right. Um, <laughs> Tears. Now, uh, most of my clients' friends are aware that I don't drink, and most people just assume I don't drink. It's a health decision. You know, I'm a trainer. I want to look the best. I want to feel the best, so I don't put alcohol in my body. Most people say, oh, I get it. You know, you don't put poison in your body. That's cool. As they're drinking their sixth beer in front of me. Um, it's actually something a little different than that. I do not drink because for a long time I was an opiate and uh, heroin addict. And um, it progressed from, you know, it started at a pretty early age, 16, 17. You mess around with pills in high school until it got to the point where, you know, you're sniffing heroin and being a piece of shit. So that's uh, the one sentence in my story. I was like, we're not going <laughs> to end it at that. but Yeah, that's a powerful one. Yeah, it is what it is. You want me to give, give yeah, me? Yeah, just give, okay. give, your, so, give your two sentences. So, yeah, an intro to mine, and some people know it, some people don't. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people I grew up with um, do not know it, but I um, I guess for the better part of, I mean, the better part of my life, um, I have had like a really poor relationship with my family. Um, early on, it was because I had a, alcoholic father who was really abusive um from like six under um and one of my only memories i have is me as a child going to answer the door and it was actually him chopping it down with an axe trying to get i think me um away from my mother and you know i got carried my mom grabbed me and carried me out the back door and i had to watch him fight the cops and etc um and I've kind of gone through this with life you know I, i i didn't see him until i was 22 i met him for the first time I found out he was homeless. You know, I, I'll talk more later about the words that I chose to say to him. And then just recently, um, actually, I guess it wasn't that recent. Maybe it was almost a year ago. Less than, I don't know, like eight, mo- less than eight, a year eight, ago. eight months or something like that. Um, I got a random call and actually Pat was in the gym and it was my dad on uh, in hospice. And I actually flew up to see him and kind of give him a chance to get his last words in and you know he he died uh soon after that so i've kind of had this constant struggle with dealing with that and then on top of that i really have no healthy relationship or any relationship with the rest of my family um you know so i've kind of had to do everything on my own so that's my side of the story um yeah so Feel free to end the podcast now yeah. if those two intros yeah. are too intense for you. Um, it will go. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, this will only be about a half an hour long podcast, but, uh, you know, so it's I'll, important I'll, stuff, you know. And yeah. It's... And, and well, we're not just going to shed the darkness. We'll, you know, show you kind of like how we came through everything and triumphed. And yeah, because obviously we're both we're very here. happy, <clears throat> functional people, functional in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah people um, right now so yeah so i'll pass it back to pat and kind of let him um expand on his experience and then I'll, I'll i'll do the same and then we'll kind of you know talk about how you can apply some of these things to yourself and challenge you at the end a little bit yeah um i always find it really hard to put my past into a narrative i guess because a lot of it does not make any sense to me at all it's essentially what i think is a, a product of many shitty decisions boiled into me being in a very shitty situation for a long time and i apologize for the language um i think a lot of times when why i struggled and why i still struggle with um 
dealing with people in recovery. I've been sober for four, almost four and a half years now, and it's not something I, I don't struggle with wanting to use ever. I got over that very, very quickly within the first couple months. But uh, what I very much struggle with things like AA and, you know, nearly anything you see that having to do with sobriety is you're taught to think of it as this disease that you have this. Like, no matter what, I'm going to be a drug addict for the rest of my life. And I don't believe that. I believe that everyone is a product of their decisions. And I think once you own up to the crappy decisions you made, regardless of how you make them, that's when you gain the ability to move past it. So, I, uh, like I said, uh, I started messing around with uh, pills, Percocets, all those. I don't even remember what they're called anymore. In high school, it was kind of the thing, like, with just what we did. You know, we, we smoked pot and we were high all the time. We didn't really think anything. You don't think about your future when you're 16 or 17. Um, I guess in high school, my parents were going through a pretty terrible divorce. It was like Kramer versus Kramer stuff. The only thing it was missing was like a dead body. Um, I didn't speak to my father for a good five and a half, six years, which obviously has, you know, lack of guidance equals terrible decisions for a young man. I think, <laughs> I think if, if society has not accepted that, then I'm running for president. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously pretty much a pretty big part of both of our stories. Yep. That's the um, story. See, I mean, I don't really have some romantic any reason, you know, I was something terrible happened. Just, I just made poor decisions and I found myself chemically dependent on opioids into the fact to the point where I was spending so much money every day on pills, I decided to switch to heroin and started snorting it. I did not inject it, luckily. Um, when I was 22 or 23, I checked myself into rehab and I kind of, uh, it was a 12 step rehab. So everything was, if you know somebody struggling with an addiction before you recommend they go to a meeting, please read the 12 steps and note how many times it says anything about sobriety, being clean, or in general, bettering your life. It's, it's a religious based program and I don't have a problem with religion. I'm a very, I'm a, fairly devout catholic myself i just don't think for an issue like that religion should really come into play especially when not everyone who's going to that program is coming from a christian background you should be there to help someone with an issue not preach to them for lack of a better term um so yeah i checked myself into a 12-step program based rehab it was a luckily it was a it was a detox facility too. So I was um, chemically detoxed with Suboxone or whatever, didn't get sick. And I stayed there for about 28 days. And even when I was in there, I was, I essentially worked out and read a lot. And um, the meetings I could give or take, it's a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of feel good motivational crap that doesn't help anybody. Um, What really helped me get through it was reading a biography of Teddy Roosevelt um, if you don't know anything about him, just Wikipedia. I mean, everybody knows he's on, you know, he's the president, Rough Riders, etc. But um, the part that really stuck with me was Teddy Roosevelt on the same day when he was about mid-20s, so a few years older than I was at the time, he lost his wife, his mother, and his sister within like a 48-hour period. He left a note to his family that says, the light has gone out of my life, didn't even sign it, just wrote X, and went out to um, Wyoming Territory and completely reinvented himself as probably one of the greatest men to ever live so that greatly colored my uh um views on both dealing with your shit you know kind of find whatever way you can to get over it and become a man and my um 
ongoing struggles with meeting other people who are quote unquote in recovery, but just going to meetings and not really learning anything about themselves, bettering themselves or challenging themselves. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) All right. So yeah, I I mean, I, I, you know, I personally didn't have, um, you know, any drug problems or anything like that. I mean, I drink myself silly in college. Um, but my problem was always with like the ability to actually, you know, if, if you meet me nowadays, you probably wouldn't believe me that I'm shy and you probably wouldn't believe that I have a tendency to be like an introvert and I'm, I don't want to say like alone because I have a great network of people I know, but when it comes to those like big decisions or even dealing with my father's death or dealing with the idea of am I going to go up and see him um, and just everything kind of, I quit my quit engineering, I dropped out of pen, you know, I started a gym, I expanded the gym, I'm, you know, every decision with it, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, it all weighs on my shoulders. Um, and, and that's been like that for, like I said, almost a decade. Um, so... I had this really pivotal moment in my life. Um, I was a pretty shitty kid, just like in general. I think anyone that listens to this that's from my high school would probably agree that the majority of people just think I was an asshole, um, which I which I probably was. Um, the majority of them don't know what was going on, and I obviously didn't share that. It doesn't it doesn't change how I acted, but. Um, you know, I just didn't want to be close to anyone because I just assumed everybody would hurt me like kind of like my father and my family situation did. So I just pushed everyone away and I had super commitment issues with everything in life and I was just angry. Um, so actually when I graduated college, I ended up finding, I contacted some of my other family members. Um, I, was, I was trying to patch things up. I went to actually my sister's bar, uh, my sister's bat mitzvah. And I had a family member just ask me why I was looking for my dad, what the point was, everything like that. I told him really, I just wanted to know if he was alive or dead. I was, you know, as a 22 year old, I guess, man, I just thought I deserved to know whether he was alive or not. You know, I had no intention after that. <clears throat> About I don't know, a couple months later, I got a call from him just saying, you know, Perry, why do you want to meet your dad? You know, I would say, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I just want to know if he's alive or dead. Well, what would you say to him? Are you sure you want to meet him? What would, you know, do you, do you think it would do well for you or, or hurt you? You know, what do you want to, are you sure you want to see him? And he just kept asking. Finally, I just said, you know, what, where is he? And he was like, he's standing next to me. And I was at work, I was, a, I was still an engineer at the time, I was about to do a presentation and literally my knees buckled. And like I had to catch myself, sit down, email my boss, said I'm leaving to go see my dad. <laughs> um, couldn't really argue with that. Um, got in a car with my girlfriend at the time, drove down to New Jersey, sat in a kitchen and waited for my dad to come home from where he was working at the time for some cash. Um, walks into the house, sees me for the first time. I mean, I've never heard his voice before, so I didn't even recognize his voice. He just walked back out of the house, kind of gathered himself and sat down and introduced him to me, or introduced himself to me. And we talked for what seemed like an hour. I was told it was like maybe six minutes. (laughs) Um, 
it started off pretty, you know, uh, passive. You know, what have you been up to? What are you doing? And just to give a picture, um, if you know what I look like, imagine me, you know, five years older. That's what I envisioned my dad looking like. Now, take Gandalf and punch him in the face a couple times and make him live on the streets in Maine for 15 years. Um, And that'll give you kind of a picture of what my dad looked like. So that was a big shocker for me. Um, You know, I said my piece to him. I told him I was pissed. I told him, fuck off. Um, Told him I didn't need him anymore. And I gave him back the only picture I had of him. Um, And that was that. You know, I got in a car, drove back home cried for probably the next three days straight and went into a depression for like the next three years um you know i right right after that i broke up with that girlfriend right after that i got into a motorcycle crash going 70 miles an hour on the highway like i quit my engineering job i needed knee surgery like my entire life fell apart um and when i moved to philly even you know i had just dropped out of Penn. i was still recovering from knee surgery didn't know anybody I was sleeping in an apartment with a water bottle on my back to keep me cold at night because um, there was no fan, no AC, nothing. Um, and I, I thought I basically, you know, threw it all away. I mean, I used to, I used to work in Hawaii and make good money as an engineer. So, you know, the last three and a half years, I just kind of dedicated to becoming my own person. You know, I didn't speak to my family whatsoever, um, not out of like anger or hate, but just out of necessary isolation to force myself to figure out what it was that I needed to become to be healthier. Um, And there's a lot more to it. I could probably talk for an hour, but long story short, um, you know, I had the courage to go up and, you know, tell my dad goodbye and, you know, let him get his last words out on his deathbed. And actually, I just told Pat about 30 minutes ago, I just, so about two hours ago, I sent an email to my mother, and this is the first line of communication I've ever done with any part of my family for four years, um, telling her, like, let's break the silence. And she responded, so we're probably going to schedule a time, um, which is obviously a big step, and it makes me super uncomfortable. But, you know, if, like, like Pat said earlier, we both feel like if you're not moving forward, you're moving back. Um, so my biggest hurdle is like my family situation and trying to, you know, conquer that. So I guess that's probably enough to give you guys kind <laughs> of just like an idea of where we come from, you know, both when you see us in a bad mood and why we like just we're in bad moods um, to why we try to brush things off or why we get like it's also kind of why we don't put up with bullshit yeah like or why we get pissed at you if you're one of our clients or friends when you you know when when you're doing something stupid um and it's not because we're mad at you but we're mad you know at you we are mad at you but we're not mad at you because like you're failing like or something but we just know like we're mad at the poor decisions you're knowingly making yeah and like we don't think that highly of ourselves so we're like look if we can get through some shit we know we're, you. We know you can do it. Yeah, too. we're not that strong or cool. Yeah, or good looking. I mean, we're pretty good looking. Yeah, no. it's all right. Um, so, you know, I guess the big thing that I would, I would, I would leave on is, I would really challenge you. Like, and this is pretty. We both feel pretty awkward right now. Um, 
you know, we're going to cook some bacon and steak to make ourselves yeah, feel like a more little of a bit man. manly. Um, but I would really challenge yourself to, you know, go sit down, you know, put your, you know, your phone or your iPhone or whatever on video, you know, as a selfie so you can see yourself and talk into the camera and just talk about some shit that's like really uncomfortable or ask yourself, write it down first, you know, what, what's been like that big thing that's held you back or what's that big thing that internal you, or external yeah what's that big thing that you wish you did back in the day like who's the friend that you wish you told them it wasn't okay that you know they took your car and crashed it or yeah. like it, it, you know you're still mad at your sister for doing something or whatever it may be um and talk about it and just like talk it out with yourself you know don't post it don't don't send it to us you know that's none of our business um but just watch it with your, you know, with yourself at a later date, or share it with a loved one or whoever's close to you. Um, and then ultimately, I was just talking actually with a business coach today, um, who told me the things that provide the most resistance to us are often the things that we need to do the most. Um, you know, so if you had to ask me what the probably hardest thing for me to do would be, it'd be like to forgive my mom or reach out mm-hmm. and kind of communicate and have a relationship. Um, don't really want to um but i'm aware that i also want to grow and i can only get so far forward with keeping one foot you know on the bottom step being being pissed at the world so you got to kind of throw yourself to the wolves and hope you can kind of tame them along the way yeah Um, and i think um where our stories while vastly you know different um where we both uh where we come together is we both had the balls and the wherewithal to realize we needed to separate ourselves from both our shitty situation and just where we were coming from in general. And I think that's something where a lot of people fail. I mean, I think a lot of people fail to realize that the people they surround themselves with is essentially who they're going to become, the decisions they're going to make. It's a reflection of you. I know when I first got sober, I basically told every friend I had in the world to fuck off. You know, I still have some friends who were, I was best friends with in high school and I, feel incredibly awkward when I see them because I don't I don't want to see them I don't you know it's a remembrance of whatever it may be yeah and it's not nothing to do with them I've you know it's you just have to have the like I said the wherewithal and the courage to take yourself away to step away from this crappy situation and really dig deep down into yourself and figure out why you are in this situation why you're making these decisions or really why anything is happening to you I mean most things are within your control and if they're not your your reaction is within your control yeah and you know there's that saying you know you you become who you surround yourself with but i i think it's a two-way street you know it's who you surround yourself with is also a reflection of your comfort zone and where you want to go you know if you if you surround yourself with people that give you negative energy you know, you can't sit there and then complain to someone about the negative energy. You need to, you need to just address it, and you know, everyone tell them to fuck off. Yeah, you know, and, and everyone's there for a reason in your life. Um, you know, I can let me reword that. You know, <laughs> there there's a time frame that everyone is supposed to be in your life. Some people it's a day. Some people it's they're supposed to get in a relationship with you and cheat on you and. You know, you learn that something from there and there's the people that you're like friends with forever, you know, um, and the, the full spectrum. And if you hold on to things too long, um, which, I, you know, you can get rid of things too quickly. But I think 
the majority of people hold on to relationships and to people and just relationships just not even with people but with ideas or you or know things things you know like okay my my job you know i owe it to my job they were they hired me when i was underqualified and now i'm really happy you know and i i've got all this experience but i feel like they're underpaying me now and i got this other job offer but i don't want to take it cuz i feel bad like that's that's a com- that's complete nonsense you know your job would fire you in a minute um you know, if it was between the CEO's paycheck and yours, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you got to protect yourself and you got to realize like, look, they did you a favor because they saw value in you. You performed, so they kept you on board, but now your value is greater than they can provide. So it's time for you to move on. And, and that works with everything, with people, with friends, with relationships, with jobs, with income levels, with, with religion, podcasts. with podcasts, like, you know, whatever it is, like everything has a time. And you need to identify and be okay with letting go um, because you and let you go. You realize you can learn from everything in yeah. your life. So I've told some friends and probably a lot of clients, you know, I don't really believe in failure um, or even mistakes for that instance. I just think, you know, the, the only mistake is if you don't learn from something, if you keep repeating mm-hmm. something. And it's going to keep happening until you learn from it. Um, so if you find yourself complaining about literally anything twice, it's on you. You know, something as simple as like, you're annoyed with the the, the 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 traffic, you know, from work. Well, then get a new job yeah. or move or walk or bike route. or it's... do a different route or leave way earlier or something. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, <clears throat> it's that the Joseph Campbell book I brought up, the myth mm-hmm. with, or the hero with a thousand faces. The I'm sure a lot of you had read it, and if you haven't, I'm very disappointed in you. Um, essentially, what makes takes someone from an ordinary person to a hero is something he calls the ordeal. And you're presented with this once in your lifetime, and if you fail, you go back to the beginning and you keep going over it and over it. We were just talking about someone who's going through something who keeps doing, you know, people keep making the same mistakes and going through the same thing. So, And, and, and it's tough to, to, you know, especially when you see someone, you know, you know, we've been through some things and we feel like we have some insight. And it's really tough when you see someone that you really care about mm-hmm. struggling with something and... You feel like you're like, look, let me let me just get in your shoes for a day and I can fix this. Yeah. Um, and again, it comes from that awareness, like understanding, you know, if you're if, if you're repeating, repeating, repeatedly, repeatedly making a mistake, stop looking at the mistake. Look at you. Like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, for Pat, like, why do you keep go- going back to the beer? You know, I mean, he, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, but it like, wasn't beer. Theoretically, anyway. you know, why do you keep going back to drugs? You know, for me, why do I keep pushing everyone away that gets close to me why do i keep self-sabotaging you know all all those things um so have the courage to examine yourself yeah and, and be yeah, honest and be brutally honest you know and just to relate this to fitness you know we get a lot of people that come oh, yeah, we to need us to do that who you know aren't aren't happy with with their current health you know we can call it i mean let's if you want to be honest with their weight with, with their, their with their aesthetics with how they look how they feel and that's great. And working out and, you know, having a routine and, and getting that energy up can really help turn things around. But again, you, you have to ask what you're coming f- to us for or just what you're looking for in general. Mm-hmm. And I don't, ca- you know, I, I've had a six pack since I was six. Like it, it's never affected my happiness. You know, I, I may like what I look like, but it doesn't change how I handled my dad's situation or what it felt like to you know, to, you know, my grandfather died mm-hmm. on my 16th birthday. Like it didn't, it doesn't help me then. I can't do crunches through that, 
But some people try and they try to use fitness as this like a mask, this mask and this drug that like I can sweat this out and I can do this and I had a bad day and it's good to have like a stress relief, but you can't have a crutch because someday someone's going to kick that crutch out. You're not going to be able to, you know, you're going to get sick or, you know, hurt and how are you going to deal with your life situation if you, if you don't have the ability to like mentally, you know, examine yourself and all you've ever done is work yourself out to exhaustion so you can't be upset about what happened and that's really just running from the problem yeah it's running from the problem you're going to keep falling into it and then you'll need to you know work Run out more harder. and then you'll it's just this cycle and you'll you're it'll eventually catch up to you it always does it always does um so you know keep that in mind of like be all right with being alone with yourself yeah be alone like it's okay to be upset like i i yeah. have I'm I'm moody as all hell and and I'm proud of that. Like I don't hide my emotions. Um so really just you know, I I guess to take it away and to try to keep this under 30 minutes. I feel like we never keep to our time. We never keep to our timeline. They know that. Is, all six listeners. Is do, do what we just did for yourself. You know, have prop a conversation. Up, prop with up yourself. a camera, prop up a recorder, whatever it is, leave yourself a long voicemail. Talk to yourself in the shower. Um and 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 talk about like that one thing you know there's something if if someone said what what made you who you are if someone said look you know bill you're great bill if you're listening to this this was that was just a, a made up name yeah. <laughs> um sebastian oh. why, why are you so great you know and you wanted to tell them um you know there's something that made you who you are like there's every great person has overcome some great obstacle you know and again you know we're not saying what we went through like defines us in a bad way, but we think that's what's enabled us to become who we are in such a short amount of time and have the introspect and you know everything that we can have and the emotional intelligence and just the awareness of you know what's going on around us or even it helps our insight into ourselves helps us see why other people act the way they are because mm-hmm. we're like oh we've been there like yeah it's, this is what's going on in their mind we're um, not really that intuitive we've just been through a bunch of stuff <laughs> and you know it, and and truthfully that's why we're good trainers because we we can see that you know it's a chess game we can see what's going on with you before you even know it's going to happen and if you've ever worked with us you know you get a lot more than just the workout with us yeah um so do do this exercise see what comes from it if you can't think of anything you're good then great (laughs) yeah but chances are you're missing something um you know there's something everything's relative so it doesn't have to be as quote-unquote you know traumatizing as ours because there's going to be ones that are way worse than ours and there's going to be ones that are you're just like you know i got a bmw instead of a mercedes and you know i was really pissed at my mom my ears yeah i was really pissed at my mom for a couple years or whatever um and that that's completely fine so take take that exercise and you know, make make a list after you like re-listen to it of what it's made you like the like the pros from it, and then how you can apply that kind of strength to get over. You know, you 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 got over X and it made you Y. How can you use Y to get over any obstacles that you have now? Um, and when you start to see that and see that pattern and identify your strengths, I think it can. Uh, I don't know. It can like it. it it, just it relinquishes, become... relinquishes like a power inside you. Like yeah. it sounds really cliche, but it like it gives you some motivation and confidence. It essentially cuts that anchor off. Yeah, and you're you... not long. You're no longer drowning in anything. You're just 
you just are free to your own. It's like that scene in the Matrix where he stops the bullets. I hate that movie. (laughs) I like that movie. It's like when he stops the bullets. No, it's like Batman Begins when he's fighting Liam Neeson on the ice. Yeah, it's really slippery, (laughs) and you know there's kung fu involved. Um, So our lives have a lot of kung fu. Yeah. So very Batman esque. So yeah. So I mean, that's us in a in a nutshell. Um, Again, most of you probably didn't know, and honestly, like if you want to know more, I mean. I don't know if Pat wants to say this, but I will. Like, feel free to ask. Yeah, me. you can I'm, ask away. You know, I, most of the time I don't tell people because it's it's hard for them. It has a context. There's a context yeah. to the words I would use, and it's hard to you know you don't want to just thrust that upon a relationship. So. Yeah, you know. So, but but ask away. You know, and re- relate to us. I mean, if you want to send us a message, you know, we're obviously going to post this on the Philly Fitness website and on the you know on our Facebook yeah, and pages not- and. So like it, share it. You know, if if you like it, I mean, we would love comments and shares for this because um, it's kind of putting ourselves out there. But also, like, send us a private message if you really if this hits home, and hopefully it does. Yeah, and I I know I mentioned stuff about uh, dealing with other people in recovery. But I love talking to people in recovery. I just hate talking to people who are in that twelve step cult. So if you're struggling, feel free to reach out to either of us. If you yeah. have anything, like he said, any insight, anything, even if you just want to go want to talk through. About, yeah, if you want to go if you through wanna, the process of recognizing these faults, yeah, we can we can tear you apart. Yeah, very <laughs> easily. <laughs> but like for you know, a fee, we can. We, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're actually charging all yeah. of you for listening. to We're this. not charging; we're we're fault finders. Um, but you know, so yeah, that that would be where we would leave this. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, they're not all not all the podcasts will be like this because that'll be very. No, uh, we're going back to entertaining next week. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we hope you like it. You know, please let us know. Please share it. Please help us kind of get the word out because, uh, you know, we we think there needs to be a lot more transparency yeah, with, with just... trainers in general. And, you know, you put your lives in our hands and your health in our hands. And we want you to really know who we are and where we're coming from. So Seacrest out. Yeah, I can't really say any better than that. Um, if you don't have us on your phones, we're on the iTunes store. Search Philly Fitness. Check out the podcast on soundcloud.com slash phillyfitness or philly-fitness.com. Um, as we said, we'll be back with a uh, mildly entertaining one this weekend. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>